Uh, tonight, uh, we're doing something that is one of our oldest traditions at Scum of the Earth Church, where um, back in the day, we started doing this thing called Story Night. So most of you guys know about this. If you don't, it's where instead of the sermon, uh, where that would go, instead we have just plain old folks like yourselves come on up here. Well, plain old folks like all of us, really. I'm a plain old folk, plain young folk. And come up here and tell part of their story and how God's been working in it. Um, God is an incredible storyteller, and I am really glad that he has written all of the stories that are sitting in these chairs right now um, and standing up here. I'm glad I exist. Uh, stories are important, and we can see God's work in them. So tonight we're going to have uh, three people coming on up to share a bit of their story. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, really grateful for the privilege of knowing all three of these people. Uh, and first up, we end up with our brother, Justin Filizola. Give him a warm welcome. Yo! Spending time with Eric Webb has probably asked you a question. <laughs> it's great. I love your questions. Uh, and, um, about a year and a half ago, we were at a lunch after morning service, and he asked, uh, Justin, what's your role at Scum? I was like, uh, give me a second. No, I'm really not sure. I'll get back to you on it. So, a year and a half later, Eric, this is me getting back to you. I want to know what's coming. <laughs> Um, and, and I don't feel it's here. Uh, I still want to be part of this community, but I feel that uh, God is calling Megan and Grover, my fiance and I, um, uh, to Chicago uh, to move to a commune um, in Uptown uh, called Jesus People USA. Um, so the story I'm going to tell tonight is why I feel that's where I'm going to uh, So I'm going to start... Uh, I'm going to start in the back of a pinto. That will be where my mom and my dad met. Uh, there's seven other people in this pinto of the uh, <laughs> Yeah, And uh, my mom was uh, 17 when she had me. Um, mom, well, my mom and dad were pretty young, and they divorced young. Uh, my uh, dad got another person pregnant uh, when my mom was pregnant with my sister. It was only about a year younger than me. Um, so that divorce happened early. Um, and growing up, lots of strained relations with um, my biological dad's family. Um, so my mom was a single parent for a good long while, um, and then met my stepdad um, when I started um, kindergarten. Um, so for a long time, all growing up, I considered him my dad. Um, so yeah, so I was the oldest of five growing up. My mom had... Um, three other kids uh, that I was half-siblings with. Um, 
So yeah, so I was I was definitely almost in the house. Um, they let me know that. And also, um, when I was young, my mom read to me a lot, and I picked up reading quick. I was reading at like three back to my mom and things like that. So they had me tested. I was involved in gifted and talented programs. Uh, I just got told I was smart a lot as a kid, but then once I got older in school, um, when it came to essays uh, and schoolwork, I didn't really do well with it. I never really understood essays. I know the material. Like, I read it. Why do I need to tell you? You told me we got it. It's good. Why do you need me to spend five, six hours writing an essay and citing my sources? You gave me the sources I'm citing. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, I got called, I got called stupid a lot when I got older, stuff like that, and um, so like, in short, a lot of other um, physical, some physical, not a lot, but a lot of emotional and um, verbal abuse uh, happened growing up that really um, colored my development. Um, so. Yeah, I had that going on, and um, when we get to high school, like I said, like wasn't doing all that great in school. Um, not as good as we could have been doing. Um, where it's freshman year, and where I'm at with God in the idea of religion is uh, we're in a world geography class, and we get to the end of the religion section, and the teacher goes around the room and asks, "How do you?" What do you feel about religion? Not a loaded question, but just a genuine, like, hey, as a student, form your opinion. Um, and I said, religion's a crutch. Like, if you look at how religion gets used by people in societies, it's um, a coping mechanism to get by um, and only necessary for those that can't make it. Um, yeah, so, so God was never really in my life much at all. Um, also, at the same time, I realized um, what's all on the road in Ecclesiastes, that everything is meaningless. Um, that when I looked at it at age 15 was, sure, I'm going to high school, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a degree, I'm going to get a nice job, uh, maybe I get married, maybe I have a house, maybe I have kids, maybe I need money, but no matter what, at the end I'm going to die, and it's not going to matter, it's not going to last. Um, and so all those factors, um, without God's foundation of hope underneath it, I got severely depressed. Um, it went on for a long while, and I was really bad off for about four months. Um, and so my stepdad took me on a walk, and um, said that he saw all of the stuff I had going on. Towards the end of the walk, said, um, I know someone who knows all about what you have going on, and and he wants to take that away, and his name is Jesus, and if you live in your life now, he can, and uh, he did. I was, I was near suicidal the moment before I accepted Jesus, and, and God took that all away. And I still had depression, I still had to process the trauma I had growing up, um, but, but it was miraculous, like, even knowing what little I know about psychology now, that, that's, that's suicide in a way. Um, so yeah, God definitely showed up one in my life. Um, so, so from there, uh, we weren't going to church before. We started going to church. We went to a, a Son of God 
congregation down in Littleton uh, Family Worship Center, and they're going there about six months. I started helping out with the kids' church, uh, doing the puppets. We had a lot of fun doing that, being my two friends. Uh, yeah, um, we made the youth pastor laugh more. We made the kids. It was, it was a good time. Um, and about a year into doing that, um, the youth pastor's family went out on vacation, and he asked us if we could uh, lead the lesson. Um, and between the three of us, they said that I should be teaching it. Um, and afterwards, um, I just had this real sense of fulfillment that I really hadn't had before in my life. So um, that's when I knew that I only need to do ministry in some sort of capacity. Um, didn't know what, wasn't sure exactly what direction that was looking in, but that's where I wanted to go. So, um, so end of high school, uh, Barely graduating on time, um, but I made it, and we're looking at my options. Um, my family and church family was telling me that with my GPA and where I was at, it probably wasn't feasible to try to go straight into college um, with the scholarships beginning and things like that. So I got presented some options. I was looking at Youth with a Mission, uh, that ministry organization, and I was looking at the United States Army. Two very different things. <laughs> very different things. Uh, and yeah, I took the road to the military and uh, I enlisted with the Army National Guard here in Colorado as a chaplain's assistant um, under the idea that um, I'll be paid for school and I'll be getting some sort of training that'll help uh, towards and sort of ministry in the future. Um, so, that didn't work out. They never gave me money. Um, lots of other life stuff happened. Uh, while I was going to school, I got put in the middle of my mom and my stepdad's divorce pretty bad. Um, also, when I was at Colorado Christian, um, it was my first time really being out on my own and trying to figure out who I was and try to like make friends. And um, yeah, I just uh, was just uh, pulling a lot of different places and not emotionally drawing up through the candlelit. Uh, so when my union went up for employment as a chaplain assistant, I was like, hey, I know I'm depressed right now, and that's what I'm supposed to tell you. Um, so I got deemed unfit for deployment, and through a whole process, ended up getting discharged um, for not going to seek counseling. Um, I'm okay with that now. Uh, many of you guys that know me, I don't talk about being in the military very much. It wasn't really um, who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, so... Yeah, um, so I'm so I'm out of the army. Um, don't have that responsibility. Um, went through a pretty pretty dark time in my life um, of yeah, just being depressed, not really sure where I was going, or what I was doing. Um, looking back on it now, uh, I just said I was a Christian. I said I was about God, but I really wasn't letting him in. Really wasn't um, living for him. And uh, I just made a lot of bad choices in that time in my life, out of my hearts, that uh, I regret now, and um, I repented for. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a rough time. Um, and uh, so, transitioning out of that season, I um, was going to a lot of hardcore punk shows, um, just started getting into that, kind of late for people that do that when I was in my early 20s. Um, I remember being in high school, and people would show me that kind of music, I'd be like, 
Why would you want somebody yelling at you? It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Why? why? Yeah. And now I yell at other people. And it's fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was uh, I was going to shows and um, friend that I met at Colorado Christian, uh, Kelly McDaniel, uh, who's here this morning. Um, really good friend of mine, and he invited me to his house church that they were doing. Um, and that was really good. I was like one of the one of the first times after I left my home church that I really saw um, a Christian community work. Um, and it was really, really good for my faith to see it work, not necessarily inside of church walls, you know, seeing that it, you can have fruitful gatherings, um, not necessarily in church, but still be the capital C church. There's some Christian news there. So, um, so yeah, that, that uh, Yeah, so I'm um, going on a lot of uh, hardcore shows, um, really getting into that culture, um, and listening to a lot of Christian bands in that, and they talk a lot about the church and what's wrong with it, um, and, but not really being a part of any church. Um, and after a while, I was like, well, if I'm going to say these things and feel like the church needs to change, um, why not part of one? Like, be the change, don't just talk about it and point fingers when you're not going to do anything yourself, and so to me and that group of friends, so uh, we looked for churches, uh, Janelle included, um, and uh, church talked for a while, um, and we found Scum, uh, it's been great, uh, like I said, I just, I just really love to hear and meet, like, the first feeling that we got, it felt, felt similar to this uh, music festival that went on in Central Illinois, Cornerstone, um, which little asterisk there, run by Jesus People USA, um, and uh, um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, just, just really enjoyed the, the vibe here, it felt like people were trying to do church authentically, um, and that's what we were really looking for, and so yeah, so, uh, so start, started coming to Scum, um, started getting plugged in, and um, yeah, some stuff happened, I went through a rough breakup, I was really considering if I wanted to still stay at Scum. Um, and then I looked deeper in what I had going on in my life, and I realized that we all have that one thing in our life that we put over God. Um, and for me, what I realized it was relationships, I mean, specifically romantic relationships, where um, in ways that I would go to God, I would go to another person. And I realized... Uh, that wasn't healthy for me, and wasn't healthy for people around me. Um, so, and that's when I really decided, like, I wanted to be for God. Like, I didn't want to just um, say I'm about God, but not really live it. And, uh, um, yeah, it's made all the difference. Um, since, since I made that decision to get, get more serious about God, I've gotten more involved in SCUM. He's been doing more things around the community, being more intentional about how I interact with the community, and um, did I say something? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I was then going through counseling through that process, and um, yeah, just that that long-term depression, that that deep-rooted stuff I worked with God through, um, and it's just been it's been amazing to have that lightness. Um, in giving those burdens to God. 
Um, so um, throughout uh, all of my story, um, I was trying to figure out what that ministry was, like where God wanted me to be. And I always try to stay open. Um, and so I was talking with bands at shows um, and just ended up like starting asking for prayer, things like that. Um, then found out about a ministry organization called Right Home that works with bands, um, housing them um, when they're on tour. And in the near future, they want to um, provide chaplains for bands. Um, so looking at my life like this is where feels like that's, that's where I'm headed um, to be like working with bands and uh, just where they need to talk about God in some sort of way to be available available for people. Um, and so so here we are today and uh, Megan and I, I we're <laughs> We're thinking about getting, we're getting married, and uh, <laughs> like, a lot of life stuff happened, and then we're like, well, what are we, what are we going to do? Like, uh, well, yeah, and um, we recently visited uh, Jesus People USA, I come in Chicago, and um, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you guys should move in. We're like, yeah, we're thinking about it, maybe like two, three years down the line. Um, and about a month ago, it, God just made it really clear that uh, he wants us to move uh, at the end of September. Um, so I, th I feel like I've told most of the people in the community, but like that's that's uh, yeah, it's we're gonna be doing um, starting like October. We're gonna be in Chicago, and uh, where I feel like that fits in my role at Scum, um, always been about relationships, about connecting with other people, and also even connecting people uh, to other people, and. I definitely want to make we want to make ourselves available to both scum and Jesus people to help make a connection between our those two groups and also any other groups that we come across that are connected. Uh, as uh, Boy Jesse puts it, uh, put it with me in a conversation, uh, demographically, supposed to geographically, where most churches meet because we're in the same city. Um, why not meet churches that are the same uh, spirit towards um, how we worship God? So, uh, yeah, it's been a, been a crazy journey. And uh, there's two big things I could say when looking at my life stories that God shows up. God's real. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there's lots of stories I could share um, that over the years where I've seen just God really work. Like, I mean, I've seen someone with stelioses having their spine straightened. Like, not like someone hunched over something, but like physically watching their spine get healed. Um, just all sorts of things. I mean, uh, the way that God showed up from day zero in my life, um, I can never doubt. I can never doubt. And, um, and there's always time to be uh, serious about God. Like, we always have today, we always have decisions that we can make next to say that we truly believe in, uh, in the teachings that Jesus gave us. And, and those teachings are free. God really does give life abundantly. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us.
especially for that. Um, you guys have some really cool stuff in your life, and we're excited that you could take care about it. Um, next up, you will please give a warm welcome to our brother, Michael Lammers. <laughs> sophomore year of high school where I met a girl 
and she wasn't a believer. So at the time, I was going to youth group, and my family was kind of in transition between churches. And so youth group was where I was being fed and where, where I considered my church at the time. And, yeah, I met this girl, and she was an unbeliever and didn't really have an interest in going to youth group or anything. So uh, I did the typical uh, high school boy things and hung out with her more than going to youth group. So um, that relationship lasted for about three years um, into freshman year of college. And, yeah, at the time, I, I, that whole time, I kind of fell away from going to church uh, and having that community, and God became this kind of thing that I believed in. He wasn't really active in my life. I had no relationship with him. Um, yeah, and just generally being kind of selfish, thinking about myself and what I wanted for my future and not what God wanted. And then um, how God enabled me is that uh, he had that uh, relationship ended um, and she ended it. And yeah, so it kind of put me in this position where I, I uh, it was freshman year of college, so neither all my friends were away from college. Uh, out of state, had their own colleges, or I had burned bridges with uh, friends of the past and things like that. And I had no real Christian community to go to, and I clearly know that God was telling me that kind of my time of being selfish and not thinking of Him was over. So, I mean, within a week after the breakup, I was sure that I needed to go back to church and need to find a community and things like that. But uh, what made it really hard and what God had to really work in me is, um, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, when you grow up in the church and you're going to youth group and stuff, uh, if it's a good youth group or even if it's a mediocre youth group, usually it kind of, when you're getting ready to graduate, you how to like find a church and find a community and stuff like that, but I miss all that. So um, that was kind of the hardest thing to do was to find a community, and it took a, a while. And I found found some Bible studies around campus. I went to Metro, that's down the way, and. Yeah, I found some Bible studies and stuff, and then God had to kind of teach me and show me uh, how to discern doctrine, which is, um, if you ever had to come up against a group of people that may not have the exact same doctrine as you, uh, it's not an easy thing to figure out when they're telling you one thing and you feel in your heart that you don't quite agree with them. Um, I feel really blessed. Uh, God gave me, gave me kind of a gift of discernment as far as doctrine. I feel like I always had a good sense of what's a little off and what's uh, correct. And yeah, so when I came up against that, I, I kind of knew in my heart that what they were saying might not have been the best interpretation of the word and stuff like that. So I reached out to uh, the pastor of the church I was going to, which was 
uh, the whole church that my youth group met at, and reached out to a few other people and kind of just learned for myself what it meant. And yeah, and through all that, God really worked in me and brought me into our community and things like that. And this kind of went into for a couple of years. And in that time, um, me and Danae got uh, reappointed as friends. And uh, that turned into a relationship. And then she was off at Portland, in Portland, uh, going to college. So she had plans coming back. So one summer we decided uh, to kind of find a church of our own. And we always heard about some of the earth because we grew up with five iron frenzy and all that. So we started coming to Scum in uh, 2008. And yeah, and ever since that, we consider our home church. And as my relationship with Danae got more serious, uh, she knew that she was called to do overseas missions, and particularly in Europe. And so I had to kind of figure out what that meant for me, as we were considering and uh, getting married. And so, kind of before we got uh, wanted to get engaged, we wanted to do some sort of overseas missions, um, kind of see how we how I felt about and stuff like that. So that brought us uh, to the Scotland trip in 2009. Um, yeah, in this, in this kind of events in my life, I'm still trying to figure out, because it, it doesn't fully make sense uh, what God did. Um, yeah, well, I'll just tell you about it. Uh, how I was kind of not willing to be shaped at the time was I, I was kind of ignorant of what it means to serve overseas. Um, kind of, especially with the Scotland trip, I was a little more focused on being overseas than, than serving. And, yeah, and I just kind of wasn't really taking it seriously. And kind of uh, the turning point was uh, being denied entry to Scotland. And uh, if you ever want to feel like you're doing something really bad when you haven't tried going to a different country without the correct paperwork. Um, yeah, so it was a, the whole event was like three hours. It was 12 hours in Heathrow Airport and detainee room. And then like something like uh, 12 hours on a plane and things like that. It was, it was, very crazy amount of time, but so kind of the aftermath of all that and what guys kind of worked in me. Um, uh, with the we had to raise all our money to go on the trip, and so minus the airfare, which is the only thing we kind of spent, um, we had some money left over, and, and Danae heard about a missions conference and. Uh, St. Louis called Urbana. And so we talked to the church about using um, what we raised to go there, and we talked to our supporters and things like that. So we ended up going to Urbana in uh, December of 2009. And 
yeah, that's uh, when I kind of got a bigger picture, probably a bigger picture than I would have in Scotland, of what it means to do missions overseas and why there's a need for missionaries and particularly in Europe where we felt like we were called to. So, yeah, I've got to kind of sit down and I think there's still stuff to learn from that event and yeah, I've got to still working all that out. But, um, after that, me and Danae, I got engaged and a year later we got married. Um, yeah, I graduated college. I started a uh, substitute, which I am currently still doing. Um, yeah, uh, about in 2000, early 2013, um, the call of uh, doing missions was still on me and Danae's heart. So we decided to apply to an organization called Grades Europe Mission. And yeah, this process was uh, pretty intense. It was a lot of filling out um, stuff, telling your story, things like that. And I kind of was a. Uh, not. I was kind of just uh, going along with the flow a little bit. I mean, I, I wanted to do overseas missions, but I wasn't very confident in myself, especially with spiritual matters um, and things like that. And so uh, we got to what's called candidate orientation, which is a week-long like, uh, evaluation process, and about halfway through the week they decide whether or not they're going to appoint you. And then um, after that it's uh, starting to raise your support and things like that. So halfway through the week, um, they pulled us aside and said that they weren't going to appoint us. And this is probably the easiest uh, kneeling that God kind of gave us. He literally gave us a list. Well, here your admission did. Um, and on places I need to work. And a couple of those things were uh, not taking care or not being the spiritual leader of my family. Um, I would even pray to not be even a spiritual participant of the family. Uh, I was really kind of self-conscious of it. Uh, Danae went to school for physical studies, so it was just easier to assume that she knows more than me, so she'll handle everything. Um, which, yeah, doesn't really work in a family. Um, so yeah, and I wasn't being uh, any kind of participant or leader in the church that's gone. Um, Fulton, uh, yeah, for the most part, I kind of scoot around on the outside, made a few friendships, but I wasn't really diving uh, deep into participating in scum. And, um, yeah, learning and studying the Bible. Uh, yeah, I never really liked schoolwork, and studying the Bible just seemed like schoolwork. So, yeah, and the God really just worked a lot in me about uh, being a spiritual leader isn't about knowing all the right answers. Um, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, if we don't know something and needs to be said, we'll get that information somehow. You know, just come out of our mouths. I've had that happen several times, like a couple months even. And uh, so that kind of uh, still processing through that. Uh, that's 
about two years from now ago. Um, yeah, and since that time, uh, God, God called us to attend the Scotland trip again. Uh, this time we were actually successful, and we went uh, last month. And yeah, like I said, uh, trying to do more like play, and I feel like on the trip, um, I was really susceptible to God shaping us for me. And yeah, God really showed us that we needed to, even though we were called to do overseas missions, um, if we don't have a good root system here, you're not going to thrive in a foreign country. So uh, what's God's kind of teaching me right now is that we need to kind of put down roots uh, in Colorado. And so that means getting even more involved this time. And um, friendships and relationships with uh, all you guys and people outside of the church, too. Um, and things like that. And kind of just leave you guys with a kind of encouragement that um, if you feel like you're being going through a kneeling process where God's just kind of putting through trial and fire, then um, if you ever worked with metal and you ever anneal something, you have to be very attentive to the metal, um, especially in kind of precious metal. I'm sure God sees it as precious metals. Uh, because if you heat it up too much, uh, it'll just melt and fall apart. And if you don't heat it up enough, it, it won't be easily shaped. And um, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna read it, but uh, Malachi 3.3 kind of speaks uh, of God as a metalsmith. Um, yeah, so. Hi, thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, there. I appreciate the poetry of that. Even though he's a visual artist, there's a certain poetry in the way God works with us. And yeah, love to see that come out in the stories. Um, so our last speaker for the night made it. Yes. She's a nurse, and apparently there were a lot of people who needed nurses, but I'm glad you did. So please welcome up our last speaker tonight, Emily McGrath. Hello. Hi. Sorry for my outfit. For the last 12 hours, taking care of little people that fell off the thing, so. <laughs> um, get my Thanks, man. I Um. So yeah, so this is not a story that's going to have anybody on the edge of their seat or anything, um, praise the Lord. But it's my story, and so hopefully uh, the Lord will be glorified through that somehow. So, um, I don't know how many of you have heard the term cradle Catholic, but that applies to me. It means you're born into a Catholic family. Um, and so, I mean, really from a very early age, I... I I could tell in my family, I could tell that I've been blessed with the spiritual gift of just faith. Um, I, my son, I don't know, I can see that. I've never really had a time where my faith has been challenged. Um, I've just always known that God was and God is. And, um, I'm just a very sensitive child spiritually and just emotionally. Um, 
my mom likes to tell the story of how I had to be sent home from my Catholic school in second grade. Um, every good Catholic classroom has a big crucifix like hanging right in front of the, you know, it's like the clock, the crucifix, chalkboard. It's kind of just how it goes. And so there was a, a day and a time that I just wouldn't let it go, like how Jesus, or why Jesus was on this cross, or this wood, or like what the deal was. And, um, apparently I asked my teacher multiple times, like, why is Jesus on the cross? Why is Jesus on the cross? Well, God bless Sister Elizabeth. She gently took me aside and explained, I mean, pretty adult terms, like, that we had put Jesus on the cross. And, I mean, I was done. <laughs> so, I cried. My mom was the school secretary, so I got sent to the office, and they let me go home. Um, and, I mean, that was rough on me. And I really did feel like, you know, it was my fault that, like, Jesus had been crucified. And, it was the same year that, that falls, usually in Catholic schools where you receive your first communion. Um, and, I mean, it's a million dollar word, but I don't know how many of you are familiar with transubstantiation. It, it's the Catholic belief that, you know, the, the bread and the wine that other kids get to drink like juice and, you know, like fluffy bread, is that it actually, like, turns into the flesh and blood of Jesus. And so, again, since the child, I took that, I mean, so to heart. Honestly, didn't understand like how that didn't make me a cannibal and like why it was okay. But you know, it's like this is what you do. I mean, they show this documentary where like the lady eats it and there's like blood coming out of her mouth because that was a miracle in some like third whatever country you know where Mary Magdalene also appeared or yada yada. So I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. And I mean, that's what I did. So. But, you know, I mean, and most kids, I think, you know, put on their white dress and their little veil and they take their picture and call it good. It was a big deal for me. Like, I I had, like, I almost didn't want to do it because I wasn't sure if that was what I really believed. And, you know, like, age eight. So here we go, like, eighth grade is when you, in Catholic school, are supposed to do confirmation, which is kind of just like, your baptism is an infant, so confirmation is kind of like, your choice of this is what I want to do and this is what I want to be. Um, so eighth grade, I started to have a lot of questions about a lot of things. And I'll, honestly, that my teachers really couldn't answer. Um, I didn't really understand how, you know, I remember once I had some eighth grade religion teacher, like, if, you know, if, if the Lord buries my sins on the bottom of the ocean floor, why would he bring them back up again, dig them up from the ocean floor to throw them in my face on a judgment seat? So I could sit in purgatory and pay for the sins that he previously cried about, but we're going to bring it back up now, because now it's good. So, <laughs> super confused. But again, Catholic school, Catholic family, awesome school, awesome people. Really, I mean, I was blessed to go there. But, so this is the time, though, that I also started playing travel softball, so I started hanging out with kids um, outside of my school. And definitely born into big time Southern Baptist Bible Belt. Um, not that there's not a ton of Catholics in Louisiana, because there are, but that's all South Louisiana. And if you ask people in South Louisiana about people where I'm from Louisiana, they'll say, oh, that's Southern Arkansas. <laughs> that's not really Louisiana. So, <laughs> so here we are, Southern Arkansas slash Louisiana. I'm a Catholic out of water. So lots of Southern Baptists. And we're like on a, one of those little people movers, they call them little veins traveling to a softball tournament, these girls, like, 
I mean, in my head, it probably wasn't the time, but in my head, they're like, gang, don't want Are you saved? And I'm, first time I've ever heard the words, ever. I mean, in that context, and I'm, you know, since the child starts to cry, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what does that even mean? Like, well, if you don't know that you're saved and no one's told you that you're saved, well, then, you, I mean, essentially you're going to hell. And so, that wasn't okay. So I'm like, well, what about purgatory? Maybe I'll just hang out there. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, I jumped on the fan wagon or the fan travel bus, and I got invited to Disciple Now, D Now, the cool kids call it. And so, you go to this, like, thing at the big Southern Baptist Church, this huge church in my small town. I may regret telling you this later, but my hometown is where they filmed Duck Dynasty. Not, <laughs> not that that has a huge following here at Scum. I mean, I'm sure we make up for it. You love some Uncle Silas? Let me name Silas after it's mine. Um, so, anyway, so it's, it's highly scripted, but kind of true. I mean, you will not find someone that that will willingly tell you that they're not a Christian. That's just not, I mean, whether they are or they're not, they're a Christian. You would never say you are. So, here I go to the big, you know, leave my tiny little Catholic church, go to the big Southern Baptist church that everybody likes to call Six Flags Over Jesus, because it's just five buildings. So, I went, had a good time. You know, you go to your host house, you have a good time. Come back together for, like, chapel at the end of the thing. And so, here I am, like, just, you know, innocent, bystander, like, sitting in my little pew next to all my friends that had invited me. Um, they, here goes Brother David, like, starting this prayer. Phrase it. It sounds like a really good prayer to me. It, like, it made sense. You know, like, oh, yeah, Jesus is Lord and Savior. Like, oh, yeah, I need his help. Okay, yeah. And then they're like, okay, if you prayed that prayer in a few minutes, of course, everybody's supposed to have their eyes closed. If you pray that prayer in a minute, stand up. So I'm like, yeah, Jesus, Lord, and Savior. Like, okay. And I stood up, and like the minute I stand up, there's like crying 14-year-old girls like hugging me. She's saved, you know. And then it's like you're supposed to go to the front and get like a Bible with your name in it because, I mean, it, that's how I accidentally got saved. Um, and I would say that that day did change my life. But it did not change my final destination. I mean, I was saved before that. But it's kind of just the start of me being super, con- well, the continuation of me being super confused. So Catholic, Southern Baptist, uh, and then, so you know, in Louisiana, you get your license at 15, you're going to driver's learner's permit at 14, so I started to drive. My parents were pretty cool in the fact that they were like, as long as you go to church on Sunday, we'll tell you where you go. So, kind of looked around. And then, towards college, like, I found a non-denominational church. So that sounds exciting, because there's, like, no denomination that you have to subscribe to. So, um, went to this church and started dating the son of an elder. So, it's pretty cool. And pretty popular. They let me be in the choir, and they let me pray and worship in the, in the college group. And life was pretty good um, until um, my boyfriend and I started making some really bad decisions. And yeah, you find out pretty quickly that you know there's no privacy in church like that, especially not for some elders. 
Um, so I'll never forget the day that I was supposed to audition like for praise team. You know, you get to stand in front of the microphone in front of the choir and like wave your hands. It's really important. Um, but it was to me. And so I went, and I mean, the choir director let me get through my song and everything, and I felt pretty good about it. And um, he essentially told me I couldn't be on praise team because of my immorality and that I was a bad role model, not like a bad example. Um, and so I didn't get to leave praise worship anymore in college group. I didn't really get, I mean, it was honestly kind of a shunning, and it was okay. Um, you know, but it was tough because, I mean, I had been baptized in that church. Um, I was baptized as an infant, but I was baptized by immersion in that church. And, you know, they were still special for me at the people in the church, you know, can't take away from what the Holy Spirit did that day. But it was hard. I mean, my parents weren't there. They didn't come. I invited them. They didn't come. And um, I had a lot of good people around me there that did come. And I thought, you know, this was the place for me. Um, and it wasn't. And so, essentially... As soon as I graduated nursing school, I was done. I was so sick of looking for people and looking for somewhere that fit in with what I believe. And I just felt, you know, when you go to non-denominational church and they say, oh yeah, we believe what the Bible believes. And I'm like, great, that's what I want. It's It just didn't fit there. Um, so I just wanted out. And so I moved away from a town that nobody moves away from. Um, and moved to Nashville. Continued to just make terrible decisions um, and kind of just spiraled from there. Um, and so I was there for a couple years, and then at around 5 a.m. one night, um, it's probably the only second time in my life I've heard, well, first of two times that I've heard the Lord speak to me. And I woke up at 5 a.m., and it was just get out. So I had on the home, so I put it up for rent on Craigslist at 5 a.m., I had it rented out by noon. I had put in my two weeks notice at both my jobs that day, and two weeks later, I was gone. And so I ended up in Louisiana, super defeated. Um, I had found a pretty good church before I left Nashville, and the pastor there actually continues to speak life to me. He's an amazing guy. Um, and so I continued to you know, attend that church via the internet when I was at home for about six weeks, kind of just searching for what the Lord had for me. And, I mean, if I look back through journals, it's definitely the darkest time of my life. I mean, for six weeks, I just had no clue. I was so defeated to be back home. And, um, but, you know, I guess everybody needs times like that in their lives. And six weeks later, I got a phone call from Children's Hospital, Colorado. And, you know, here I am. And I got out here on the 4th of July. I first came to Scum on the 6th of July. met Nathan that night. And now I'm two beautiful boys. One of him's a little bit hungry, I think. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, God's hilarious. I married a former agnostic. <laughs> Let's really decide what we believe about everything. Um, so it's definitely a work in progress. Um, but he and I have some very challenging conversations that are good for each other, I think. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I'm so thankful to call Colorado home, much to my mother's dismay. She reminds me of a lot. But, um, yeah, so really thankful to have this kind of community.